Plant Media presents Tawny O'Dell's Rewrites. Episode 3. Who ordered the Moo Dad Do? The Rewrites village had grown by leaps and bounds from our original trio of Milo, Clive, and me. We'd found five of our six writers... Three best-selling authors had agreed to be judges, and a senior editor from Simon & Schuster had agreed to be our host. And we had a monkey. We also had a top-notch production crew Clive and I had put together from our friends who were excited about the project and willing to work for little. And there were no job titles, just tasks, and everyone was committed and getting them done no matter their level of expertise. Katie had an eye for the arts and seemed to just naturally take on those responsibilities. Nelson was our go-to guy regarding sound and anything tech-related. And Eric. Eric was a born production manager. He was on top of everything, from scheduling each minute of the day to having a prop ready before we even asked for it. It was an enlightening and touching experience for me to discover my friends, who I only knew as people I like to hang out with, had these skill sets and a passion and commitment level that I never knew existed in them. Before we had even shot our first episode, rewrites had already given me a gift. We were a week away from shooting that first episode and still hadn't found our final contestant, but we weren't overly concerned. We had enough other details to worry about. You guys, are we okay, seriously yes. talking we, about this we, again? Yes. How many times are we going to do this? Really this but the, no, the most important part of the show is the competition. It's a competition show. It's not an advertisement for diversity in America. No one's listening. Nobody cares. You do realize, you do realize all the writers you've chosen so far are white. It's like you're casting America's Next Top Equestrian. Yeah, they're all old, too. Except for that sweet little waitress. Excuse me. Who ordered the Moodad do? Over here. Really, Clive, you ordered more food. You just finished eating a Dos Toros burrito that was the size of an elephant's schlong. You would know. <gasps> That's so funny. This is a TV show, okay? A visual medium. Maybe we should have thought more about ethnic diversity, about Ugh, physical attractiveness. It's a show about writers. All that matters, all that should matter, is that they're good writers. Come on, Clive, help me out here. You're part of the selection process. I also ordered a green curry. And the Tom Young junk? That's me. I wasn't part of the selection process. Did only old white people apply? I don't know. I didn't pay attention to race or age. It might seem like we're saying only old white people can be good writers. That's not what we're saying. Then where's your black writer? Your Asian writer? Now that I think about it, where's your gay writer? I'm offended. I had a Thai iced tea, too, or three or four. I don't remember how many I ordered. What about religion, hmm? Where's your Muslim writer? Your Jewish writer? It's a reality TV show about novelists. It's not a Coca-Cola commercial, you guys. It's got a bit of a point. I'll do it. What? I'll do it. You'll do what? I'll be your writer of color. Your jive-talking wordsmith. Your gangster of grammar. Who are you? I'm Ace. The half Puerto Rican, half Rastafarian guy that delivers your Thai food. Are you a writer? I'll never know unless I try. So you've never written anything? Nothing. But in my favor, that means I haven't written anything bad either. 
But you, I'm sorry, you have to be writing a novel to be on the show. Uh, when I talked to the cute waitress, she said she just started writing a novel, and the only reason she was doing it was to be on the show. What? No, that is not true. That's not true. She's a very talented writer. Most of her writing, though, so far, it has been on a less ambitious level than writing a novel. That's all. You mean like she writes screenplays? No, not exactly. Now, that's something I would not want to waste my time with. Screenplays? Oh, man, with the Oscars being all white and all, psh. I mean, I still watch them, though, but... You watch the Oscars? And the Golden Globes. They were a disappointment this year. No good dresses. SAG Awards, mm, they was all right. Oh, oh, I get it. I see the way you're all looking at me. You think I can't appreciate designer gowns because I come from the Bronx. I live a whole subway stop away from the murder block. Uh, what's the murder block? The block where the murders happen. I mean, like, maybe that's, maybe that's what I write about. Murder in the Bronx? Nah. The Golden Globes and how there were no good dresses. You can make a novel out of that. If I throw a couple murders in there. All right, so what I hear you all saying is that you got this cute little waitress to provide the sex appeal. And now you just need someone to give your show a little bit of uh, flavor. No, 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 that's not what we're saying. Uh, yes, we are, and there's nothing wrong with thinking this way. But the most important aspect of the show is the quality of the writing. Then explain to us again about the waitress. Calm down, everybody. You know what Nietzsche says. You have your way, I have mine. As far as the right way, it doesn't exist. You read Nietzsche? Nietzsche, Jung, Plato, Suze Orman... I have an impressive personal library I put together from books that people leave on the subway. Got 28 copies of Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> so do really? I. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good book. So, are you serious, Ace? Do you, you want to be on the show? I can't believe this. I've had enough. What's wrong with Clive? Uh, where's he going? Hold on. I'll be right back. Hey, Clive. What's going on, man? Are you pacing? <laughs> I've never seen you pace before. You're more of a, an ambler or maybe a skulker. You're going to let Ace onto the show just because he's black? No, that would not be why. He's smart and funny. I mean, you heard what he said, right? He's dynamic. He's alive. He's vital. Everyone in the room was riveted by him. He'll make great TV. What? What? What's wrong with you? What happened to Mr. You-never-know-what's-gonna-happen? The same thing that happened to Mr. It's-a-show-about-writers and all that matters is if they're good writers. Ace has never written a word in his life. And neither has Echo. No, oh, that is not true. That's not true about Echo. She's written some stuff. And besides, you know what? The bottom line is it's my show. I have a gut feeling about Ace, and if I want to make him a contestant, I will. Go ahead. Make him a contestant. You're right. It's your show. But you seem to be forgetting how much your show means to you. You've been obsessed with making this show, and it's finally going to happen, and you're going to mess it up over a girl? Oh, man, you are way out of line. Oh, I'm out of line. Don't you get it? People are working for you for next to nothing. They're blowing off their paying jobs, and they're giving up any free time they have left. They're excited, not just about the show, but the message behind it, the importance of books, and how the people who care about them don't just care. They can't imagine life without them. You've been the champion of that message. Now you're a fraud. You know better than that scumbag producer you told me about. Well, I am nothing like that guy. I, that guy gave me the gig because he said I cared. Yeah, once upon a time you cared. I still care, you Clive. You took monkey money. Yeah, and I would take it again because this is happening. What would your mom say? What? <laughs> 
That is so unfair. Oh, and what you're doing is fair? Is it fair to the other writers on the show? Getting their novels published would mean the world to them. It doesn't mean anything to Echo. Like I said, I'm out of here. Wait, whoa, 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 where are we going? Where are we going? We've got a lot of work to do. I need some air. I know you have a hard time meeting girls, Theo. But you've got to find a more honest way to get laid. Hey, hey. Milo, uh, you picked a great moment to show up. I figured the only way I'd get back in the story is to force my way in. You haven't put me in any scenes so far, bro. It's because you owe me 20 bucks, right? Don't be ridiculous. Maybe. All I've got to say is swerve. Clive sure did call you out. I didn't know he could get that mad. He had a point, though. Do you think I'm doing the wrong thing? Do you think I'm jeopardizing the show? You wouldn't be if it turned out Echo could actually write. Have you ever thought about finding out? That's not a bad idea. No, duh. Stay woke, brother. Hey, where are you going? To find out. What about my 20 bucks? <laughs> Come on, I'm a starving college student. Dude, it's cold. It's cold. I'll be waiting here for you. Hi, this is Tanya O'Dell, New York Times bestselling novelist and the author of Rewrites. Along with being a pretty good writer, I'm also a pretty good cook. I learned from my mom and my grandma and passed along the love of cooking to my daughter, who is now a professional chef working in New York City. I know my way around a kitchen. I didn't see any reason why I'd be interested in a meal kit delivery service until I tried HelloFresh. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks who are short on time or are just craving the convenience. I was really impressed with the freshness and quality of the ingredients, which are measured to the exact quantities needed so there's no food waste. Everything you need to make a HelloFresh meal is included in the kit, except for the pots and pans, and all of it shows up on your doorstep in a recyclable, insulated box with no delivery cost. The meals are nutritionally balanced and very contemporary. You're not making beans and franks here. You're making strip steak with balsamic reduction over polenta, blistered tomatoes, and green beans. Best of all, these delicious, healthy, fun-to-cook dishes cost less than $10 a meal. Last week, I had my chef daughter over for brunch and made HelloFresh breakfast quesadilla stacks with poblano hash browns, avocado, and bacon. She gave it a rave review, and believe me, her raves are not easy to get. By the way, I also just discovered you can make a HelloFresh meal in the same amount of time it takes to listen to an episode of Rewrites. So why not check in with Theo and the gang tonight while you whip up some lemony pan-seared chicken with pesto peas and potatoes, one of my HelloFresh favorites. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code REWRITES30. I thought about going to talk to Echo. I went to the Strand instead. Bookstores usually calm me down, but it did not work this time. I returned to the production meeting. Clive never came back. Afterward, I texted Echo, and it turned out that she wasn't working. She was at home and said I could come over. This particular invitation is something that I dreamed of in the past, but that night I really just, I dreaded it. Come on in. Thanks. 
I, I ran into this girl on the stairs who looked at me like I was an open sore. <laughs> Sounds like my roommate. She was on her way out. Don't take it personally. She doesn't trust anyone with a penis. Well, thank you for assuming I have one. It's just an assumption. Would you like a drink? Yeah, sure. Did did you bring anything to drink? No. I uh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Calm down. I have wine. Is that okay? Yeah, great. I, I like your apartment. It's uh, very homey. That's a nice way of saying it's a mess. No, no, no. No, I, I don't mean it. In that. Oh, wow. Is that a real cat? Yeah, that's Paul. He is so motionless. It's called sleeping. Here, cheers. Cheers. What are you reading now? Langston Hughes, The Ways of White Folks. That's a far cry from Capote. Well, I, I just picked it up. I'm doing some research. On being a white folk. Yeah, something like that. So, what do you want? You said it had to do with the show. Wow, you don't like small talk, do you? I don't even like the expression small talk. I only participate in big talk. Okay, well, I can do big talk. Uh, I need to read what you've written so far to be sure you actually deserve to be on the show, because... Before I approached you about being on the show, you weren't writing a novel. You weren't even thinking about writing one. You had just written some thought-provoking emails. And while those are, they're very good, and they show what I consider to be great promise, I just, I, oh, where are you going? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, are you, you're not going to your room to cry or anything, right? Here, it's the first 35 pages of my novel. I printed it out because I wanted it to be real. Mr. Snugglepuss? It's about a man who wakes up one day and finds out he's turned into a cat. Hmm. Go ahead and read it. I'll go in the other room. You're in my yard, a voice said. I turned around quickly, my whiskers twitching. A sleek, lead-gray cat with metallic yellow eyes had silently appeared from nowhere. His voice was deep and menacing, yet somehow seductive. He was lying in the grass, staring intently at me. Your yard, I asked him. You're a cat. I thought yards belonged to people. <laughs> Who told you that? A dog? The gray cat laughed. I thought everything belonged to people, I further explained. People own things, the gray cat growled softly. But nothing belongs to them. So... What do you think? Can I stay in the show? Yes. Did you like it? Maybe. Maybe? Well, um... When I say maybe, I don't mean to imply that I didn't like it. Uh, what I mean is I, th I think it's amazing, but my opinion may be premature since it's only the first few chapters. And, and I might be biased since I've always been partial to cat-centric novels. Kitlet, if you will. <laughs> Who can forget Cat, Holly Golightly's beloved companion in Breakfast at Tiffany's? Or the Cheshire Cat? Or the Cat in the Hat? Or the entire cast from T.S. Eliot's Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats? Or Church, the Zombie Cat from Pet Cemetery? Or Behemoth, Mikhail Bulgakov's pistol-packing feline with his penchant for chess and love of vodka and pickled mushrooms? These cats, they I have... I think I should kiss you. What? Why? What? Because I liked your book? 
Is it, uh, not that I would mind a kiss of gratitude. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Actually, when I think about it, I can't even really come up with a reason that I would reject as a reason for you kissing me. <laughs> Except maybe if it was because someone dared you because they thought that you would really hate having to kiss me. But even then, I could probably enjoy the kiss in spite of myself. I was going to kiss you to stop you from talking. Oh. <laughs> well, if you want me to shut up, all you have to do is say so. It's not like I have some disease or affliction that I can't control. You don't have to get all pissed off. I'm not. Although, you, maybe I should be. You know, some people just talk a lot. And then other people talk very little. And there's nothing wrong with either one. It doesn't make me a bad person or, or even an unattractive person just because I happen to say what's on my mind. And I happen to have a lot of things on my mind. Okay, calm down. Where are you going? I didn't mean anything by it. Yeah, I believe you. And I think that's the problem. You were going to kiss someone and, and, and it wasn't going to mean anything to you. You're really overreacting. Well, I think you're underreacting. Thanks for the wine. Oh... I, d I came over here to talk about the show, and we're done now talking about the show, so I'm going to go now. Your writing is great. Keep up the good work. Have a pleasant evening. It's funny how things work out sometimes. Clive was right that my main motivation in originally wanting Echo to be on the show was because I wanted an excuse to be around her. Now the thought of being around her made me feel kind of wretched. But I wanted her to be on rewrites because I thought she showed real promise as a writer. And I, I also thought writing was going to turn out to be a really good thing for her. Echo still wore her armor that night at her apartment. But I, I noticed a subtle softening of the warrior inside it when she talked about her book. Clive and I patched things up, but we definitely weren't on the greatest of terms. He had put me on a sort of friendship probation that was going to last until Echo and Ace proved themselves as contestants. And I let Clive read what Echo had written, and he agreed. It was good. As for Ace... um. We had him go through the application process, and since he didn't have a novel in progress to submit, he gave us a few writing samples. And they weren't great. They weren't even good. Uh, he had no idea how to tell a cohesive story or develop a character, but, but, there were these glimmers of brilliance in what he wrote. An observation, a description, an explanation that took our breath away. And the fact that they were surrounded by prose of such poor quality made them all the more startling and astonishing, like finding a precious gem in a, a big pile of dull gravel. Clive agreed that we should give him a try. He wouldn't admit, though, that Ace also won him over with his personality and his desire to do something completely unexpected with his life. But Clive liked Ace, and I liked Ace, and we wanted to give him this chance. The day finally arrived when we gathered our six writers in the writer's house for the first time. <laughs> Clive's grandmother had donated her home while she was in Florida for the winter. It was a picturesque, 
sleepy hollow kind of town in the Hudson Valley, easily accessible by train from New York City, and about uh, like an hour and a half if traffic wasn't bad, meaning if you drove between midnight and 4 a.m. told you guys, Clive's a talented musician. He's also available for weddings and bar mitzvahs and to wake up military barracks. <laughs> uh, I would also like to introduce you all to my brother, Milo. What's up? He is a student at Columbia, and he's been a huge help with the show, mostly providing moral support. He means whenever he feels like he's going to lose it, he calls me. Most of the time, I let it go to voicemail, but I always call him back because he's my brother, and I don't want him to lose it. I tell him his show and his message is lit. Then I remind him he owes me money, and that makes him want to get off the phone. Oh. <laughs> yeah, all right. Hey, isn't the house great? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's small. Um, as I already explained, we need all of you here this weekend to film, and then there will be a few other times that we'll need you, but you're not required to live here for the duration of the show. We only have to make it look like you're living here. Uh, we realize you have families and jobs. What if we don't mind leaving our families? I'm retired. I don't see any reason why I couldn't park myself here for a while. I've got a couple weeks vacation coming. I'd have to work out something with the ex regards to the children, but uh, I have vacation time as well. Eh, please, I could stay. Well, what about your delivery job with Cozy Time? Nah, I quit that job. It was interfering with my writing career. <laughs> wow, all right, bold move. <clears throat> what about you, Echo? I have to pay rent. I can't afford to be unemployed, even for a few days. I could barely afford the train here. Hey, brother, that's your cue to offer her a ride with you and Clive. No, I don't think so. Uh, the show will pay for your transportation. Okay, everyone, let's go over the items on your Welcome to Rewrites list. What? Uh, I think the challenges for the first episode is pretty self-explanatory. Um, and then there's also the weekly metaphor competition. Yeah, how does that work again? So you're going to be given a topic, and everyone has to come up with a metaphor. For mm. instance, the subject could be dreary weather, and the answer could be the fog comes on little cat feet. Hmm. It sits, looking over harbor and city on silent haunches, and then moves on. I knew that. D that's not bad. See, because it works because cat feet don't make noise, mm. and then the fog doesn't make noise, right? Of course it's not bad. It's Carl Sandburg. Theo and Bill didn't make it up. Who's Carl Sandburg? I guess no one has left one of his books on the subway. He's a famous poet, Ace. No offense to this young man, but how can he be on a show about writers? This, all right, this is a show about people trying to be writers. It's not about people who know a lot about other writers. Ace, sure, he has some catching up to do. He's only 22, and Echo, only 24. The rest of you have had a lot more years to read and discover authors. And what about you, son? You're the same age and you're a walking encyclopedia literature. When it comes to this particular topic, Theo's a freak. <laughs> Testify. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. It's, it's always really great to be called a freak. <sighs> so the subject for this week's metaphor is love or the object of your love. Do you have to write about someone you're really in love with, or like, can you make it up, or like For what? God's sake, this is a show about novelists. Novelists write fiction. Fiction is so made up. So the answer is, I can make it up. Yes, Ace. Thank you. you. can make it up. I'm not in love with anyone right now. Yeah, me neither. I thought you were married. That wasn't the question. I haven't been in love for years. 
but I don't have any trouble remembering what it felt like. Writing about love is easy. Well, the topic is love, Professor, not sex. We can't write about sex? No, not sex without love. Not in this particular challenge. Will there be a challenge where we can write about sex without love? I don't think so. Will there be one where we can write about eating when you're not hungry? Or how about sleeping when you're not tired? Or dancing when there's no music? How about helping out without being asked? Or hiding when no one's looking? Or watching the Knicks when the Knicks is whack? Okay, <laughs> all right, everybody, hey, all right. I think we've gotten a little Always. off topic, so let's just move on to the next item. Right, so taking into consideration the sometimes volatile relationship writers tend to have with the bottle... Uh, we decided that rather than risk any behavior that could lead to injury or lawsuits, we're just going to make the writer's house an alcohol-free zone. Oh. Say what? Oh. Hey, what? Baby. Wow. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait just, just what about, what about just beer and wine? Also, oh. make it on yeah. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, okay. You can drink. Yes, oh, okay. Hold on, wait, what are you doing? I didn't mean right now. Well, I have to admit... I brought some whiskey with me. I brought some wine. I brought a couple of six-packs. I brought a bottle of my favorite cognac. It relaxes me at the end of the day. Oh, well, I brought some really cheap vodka and cranberry juice. What about you, Ace? Don't you drink, hon? I drink. I brought this. That's an empty plastic cup. Yeah. Also known as a metaphor for hope. I had a definite idea of how that first gathering of the writers would go, and it just dissolved into something very different. They didn't want to listen to me. On some level, I was happy because it meant they were getting along, but at the same time, this wasn't a party. It wasn't summer camp. This was serious business. I was making a television show. Its success or failure would fall fully on my shoulders. I had an obligation to a network. I, I had employees. I had taken monkey money. And it wasn't a gift or, or even a loan. Crystal was an investor. And I, for one, did not want to have to explain to a powerful industry insider who happened to be a moody, sometimes volatile chain-smoking monkey that I had lost that investment. Maybe, maybe I didn't have what it takes. Who was I kidding? <laughs> we were about to shoot the first episode of rewrites, and to be honest, I, I wasn't sure I had any idea what I was doing. I was being propelled forward by passion and commitment and belief in something bigger than me, but was that going to be enough? I felt like I was the biggest fraud in the world. The man behind the wizard curtain putting on this confident show for everyone else, but hating myself. And at the end of the day, when I looked at that simple, common mortal man in the mirror, I... Ugh. Yet I knew this show was the only thing keeping me going. I am trying so hard, Mom promises. They are not always easy to keep. For a complete list of cast and crew and a free download of our theme song, Between the Lines, visit our website, rewritespodcast.com.